The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome back to Privacy Week on the MarTech Podcast. This week, we're doing a deep dive into a subject that is critically important to marketers in every industry, business, and channel of marketing, privacy. For those of you who are just joining us, we're publishing an episode every day this week related to the rules of online privacy. Joining us for Privacy Week is Casey Chappelle, who is a world-renowned online privacy advocate and the data protection officer for Go Cardless. Casey has worked as part of the in-house counsel for large enterprises, including eBay, Vodafone, and American Express Global Business Travel. And she has a wealth of information related to online data protection and privacy. So far this week, Casey has walked us through some general rules for privacy, what GDPR means, how you can safely capture some data, and what are the rules for email marketing. And today, we're going to talk about online advertising. Here's the fourth installment of our interview with Casey Chappelle from GoCardless. Casey, it's Thursday. We are almost to the finish line. Welcome back to Privacy Week on the MarTech Podcast. It's great to be here, Ben. Always good to talk to you. Today, we're going to jump into talking about online advertising. So we've talked a little bit about data capture. What are the rules for where you can capture data? What's legal? And we've talked a little bit about email marketing. How can you reach out to your customers? What about the people that haven't actually given you their personally identifiable information? What are the rules for reaching out to your customers using third-party ad platforms? You know, when I started my career in privacy in roughly 1998, which feels like a long time ago, it was a long time ago. It was 20 years ago now. <laughs> <laughs> when I started my career in privacy in 1998, one of the really big ticket, hot topic items on the agenda was online privacy and behaviorally targeted advertising, adware and spyware, the use of cookies. And here we are in 2018, 20 years later, and the really hot topics in online privacy are behaviorally targeted advertising and the use of cookies and the collection of information and the use of it for advertising online. The more things change, the more they stay the same. And I think part of the reason why we're getting so many more detailed and prescriptive privacy laws around the world is because there's a deep sense of unease about the way that we've managed the collection of information online and the use of it for targeted advertising and other customization and personalization. 
People don't know what's happening to their data, and they're really unnerved by it when you ask them about it. Now, that doesn't mean they're necessarily changing the way that they interact online, but people are starting to get the ability to lock some of this down with the rise of things like ad blockers, private browsing. People are starting to go dark online, and the laws, of course, are getting stricter. So I think marketers are paying the price for 20 years of maybe not being as open and honest and giving people as many controls as they would have liked in this space. As the market in the room, let me just say, eh, maybe. (laughs) I mean, do people not know what's happening with their data? Like, I'm pretty sure my dad knows that when he's on Facebook, that whenever he puts information online, that it's going somewhere, that they're capturing it. There are ads that follow him around the internet when he goes to Amazon and buys something and then goes to whatever web page is going to next, that product shows up in front of them. My dad is not the most technologically savvy person in the world, but he's able to connect the dots that I was on Amazon looking at a product and now it's in front of me. That's not random. I just don't buy that people don't know what happens with their data. Maybe they don't understand technically how it's passed or how it's protected. But when you go to a website, they're trying to understand who you are. Well, people understand that now. They may not have in the past, but certainly, especially with the rise of GDPR, people are very aware now of the implications of how they share data online. And it's funny you mentioned Facebook, because obviously Facebook has gotten a lot of trouble lately for a lot of these things. And part of the reason why they're so heavily scrutinized, they're in so much trouble for these things, is because they have not been as upfront as they should have been early on in the process. Now, Facebook's in trouble for an entirely different reason right now with Cambridge Analytica. But think about the position that Facebook is in. Your dad knows what happens to his data on Facebook, even if they're using it for other purposes because he has a relationship with Facebook. But your dad doesn't have a relationship with the multitude of advertising companies operating in the back end. I'm sure you and most of your listeners have seen those charts of the complexity of the online marketing industry and how many different players on the demand side, on the supply side, and all of the exchanges in the middle. Do you think your dad understands who exactly is making those decisions about him and how he might, if he wanted to, turn those decisions off? In the same way that when my dad, who's a homeowner, understands that when he pays his utility bill, he is paying one company to deal with the waste that comes out of the house. Now, does he know what company manufactured the piping to take the waste out of his house? Does he know what the relationship is with the treatment plant? Does he know what the water recycling plant that repurposes it for drinking water? This is maybe a bad metaphor, but (laughs) he understands that there is a mechanism that takes his data and repurposes it for online advertising in the same way that he understands when he pays the waste management company to take the trash out, that they do something with it and it goes away and somebody else deals with it. And yeah, sure, maybe they monetize whatever's in the trash, but I'm done with it. It's an interesting analogy, but I think it fails in one important point. And this is an important distinction between the US approach to privacy versus the EU approach to privacy. In the US, privacy is handled as a consumer protection issue which means that, sure, there are a lot of these companies that are using your data, but if generally you're not being unnecessarily discriminated against or impacted in some way that's harmful to you, then it's unlikely that there will be a regulatory impact for using that data. Mm -hmm. The EU doesn't handle it that way. In the EU, there is a fundamental constitutional equivalent right to informational self-determination, 
which means that even if that information isn't being used in a way that is detrimental to you, you have a right to understand who's using it, why they're using it, how they're using it, and to make choices about it. So that's where the complexity of the ecosystem becomes a problem because it's very, very difficult. You know, your dad doesn't have a right to waste management self-determination in the same way that he has a right, if he's an EU resident, to informational self-determination. But he can't exercise that if he doesn't understand how the ecosystem works. Or, and this is where I think the most progress will be made, if there is an industry code of conduct that ensures that he has maybe a one-stop shop for identifying who's got his data and how it's being used and making choices about it. So that's where industry initiatives like the DMA or the IAB or the NAI come into play. Because what they can do is they can create, let's call it a translation layer between all of these complex things that are happening in the background that nobody really should expect a layperson to understand. And what are the real choices that that person needs to make in order to make sure that their human rights are being met? Yeah. And I will bifurcate being a human and being a marketer for a second, although <laughs> you need humans to market no matter how much artificial intelligence is becoming prevalent in the marketing industry. Like I understand and I appreciate and I believe in the need for people to be able to maintain anonymity and privacy. I think the reality on the other hand is there is value created by the distribution of information that helps consumers it also helps businesses, which helps the economy, which creates jobs. And now we're going down the rabbit hole of, you know, where do we draw the line for privacy and what marketers can do? I want to turn the conversation a little bit. Time for a one minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. To what do marketers need to know to make sure that they are applying best practices and not getting in trouble in terms of online advertising. I have data from my website. We have cookies. Google has a cookie and Facebook has a cookie. And I can feed information based on what behaviors people have on my website. And I can plan marketing automations and marketing campaigns around that. What's the line? Where do I get in trouble? 
when you get in trouble when you're using individually identifiable data in a way that that individual doesn't have any control over. And I've chosen my words carefully there because I think that there is sometimes a disconnect between what the marketing industry would consider to be personal data and what regulators consider to be personal data. My one piece of advice is identifiability matters. So if you can achieve what you want to achieve with data that is at the least achievable level of identifiability, then you will minimize your legal problems. That probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Let me use some really concrete examples here. Okay. GDPR makes a distinction between personal data, anonymous data, and an interim category called pseudonymous data. Now, pseudonymous data means that it's about an individual, but it's not connected to any real world identifiers. And what the marketing industry would say is that a lot of online advertising is pseudonymous rather than fully identified. Right. Now, pseudonymous data is still treated as personal data because it has a direct impact on people. You're being singled out from other people and presented with content that is tailored appropriately to you. And because you're being singled out and targeted and things are being personalized for you, even at a bucket level, as the industry talks about, it means that there's the potential for some sort of a discriminatory impact. So what the law says is that if you're creating those kinds of pseudonymous profiles, you're targeting people in that way, then there's a certain level of regulatory obligation that you need to meet. But it's a lower level than fully identified data. There are a couple of, let's flippantly call them get out of jail free cards that are associated with pseudonymous data that can help. They say see pseudonymization as a privacy enhancing technology. It means that if you don't have the ability to connect this back down to a real world identifier, there are certain things that the GDPR requires of companies handling fully identifiable information that you don't have to worry about. Things like responding to subject access requests and some of these other more heavy prescriptive obligations that don't apply to pseudonymous data. So what I'm hearing is essentially there's three levels of data, personally identifiable information, your name, your email address, your social security, your phone number. There are clear data protections around how those can be used in online advertising targeting. There is pseudonymous data, which is cookies. And I'm just going to use an example of somebody comes to my website, they look at a product, I can retarget them using the cookie without actually knowing who they are, but I can personalize the advertisement based on their behaviors. That sounds like pseudonymous data. And then there is anonymous data, which I guess that's aggregate data where you don't know a person. Aggregate data, certainly, right? If you've aggregated it, then you've achieved a level of anonymity that takes it out of the scope of data protection law. Pseudonymous data, think of it as you maybe have a unique identifier attached to the data, but it's not a persistent identifier and it's not connected to any sort of real world identity. And achieving that level of pseudonymity, it's not uncomplicated, but certainly if you're providing a marketing service and you're making that effort to make sure that you're stripping out direct identifiers, that you're keeping your unique identifiers on a non-persistent basis, then you've achieved a level that the GDPR recognizes as privacy enhancing. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't have any data protection obligations, but it does mean that there is a recognition that you've taken some steps to be privacy protected. So let me give you a real world example using Facebook because hot topic. People come onto my website and I get 500 email signups and I want to take those email addresses that people have given to me somewhere in my privacy policy. It says that I can use that information for marketing. I take those emails, I upload them to Facebook, I add some creative and I start serving them ads 
let's say I'm promoting somebody else's business. Now it's not even my business, right? I have an affiliate relationship and I want to push people to buy something on Amazon. Is that legal? I'm taking personally identifiable information. I'm uploading it into Facebook and I'm driving someone to a service that doesn't have their consent. Well, the devil's in the details here. Where did you get the emails to begin with? Did you collect them lawfully? Did people know that you would have them and that you'd be using them for marketing purposes? Right? Even if you're not using them to email them, if you've collected the information for marketing purposes, then the law generally says that you have to have used some level of transparency there. The example I'm using, and really what I'm getting at is you can take a list of email addresses. Hypothetically, you get them in a way that says, I am potentially going to use this information for marketing. But they're looking at a checkbox that says, yes, I want to submit this form to get this white paper or to contact you. Now, let me preface this with, I don't do this. Everybody who's listening, I'm not (laughs) advertising to you on Facebook or advertising anything else to you. But Facebook does have the ability to take email addresses and target those people. Probably most marketers already know that. The question really is related to how much consent do I have to get from customers to be able to use their PII in the advertising platforms. And that's why I'm asking the question. So Casey, using this example of the end customer did technically give consent through my privacy policy, but probably doesn't know that I'm going to be advertising to them for another service. Is that okay? So the first thing that I would I would take a look at here, if I were advising on how to create good privacy in that kind of an interaction is What's the nature of your relationship with the data subject, with the end user here? If they've checked out in some way with you, if they've engaged in a transaction with you, you've clearly had an opportunity to present a privacy notice to them, right? So you've interacted with them in some way. Now you've got their information because you've interacted with them and you're using that information to engage in some sort of a commercial activity and some sort of a marketing activity. The fact that you've uploaded those to Facebook for their audience matching services is probably an outgrowth of that relationship with that person. Now, maybe you're advertising somebody else's goods and services. And in order to make sure that you are able to do that, in the US, it would probably be okay if you had that in your privacy notice and you let people know that you were collecting their information for marketing purposes. In the EU, you'd probably have to be a little more specific. That checkbox would need to include some fairly detailed information about the fact that you were using their information for third-party marketing purposes. And you might need to get explicit consent. You might need to get their opt-in to use their information for third-party marketing purposes. All the more reason for marketers to engage with a privacy-specific expert when they're putting their legal documentation together. I think the takeaway here is it depends where you are. It depends what's in your privacy policy. It depends what data you're using. It depends what platform. Privacy is very complex. Well, here's an important thing to understand. Privacy is contextual, and it's about expectations. It's about whether what you're doing is going to be consistent or inconsistent with the model of what's happening that is in your consumer's head. And that's where I go back to that first point of don't be creepy. Do people expect that this is happening? If they don't expect that this is happening, how do you adjust that expectation? How do you make it clear to them that it's happening? And in some cases, depending on the impact to them, how do you give them the choice to either say yes or say no? So for everyone that's listening, I want you to stop. I want you to pull the car over. I want you to take out a pen and a paper and write this down. Don't be creepy. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. 
Thanks to Casey for joining us. Don't forget every day this week, we've published an episode related to privacy. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app to check out our last episode on privacy when we'll be discussing what are the repercussions for breaking the law as they relate to privacy. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Casey and Go Cardless, you can click on the link in our show notes to find her bio or you can go to gocardless.com. If you're a subscriber to the MarTech Podcast, thank you for being a member of our community. If you ever have questions, comments, if you'd like to suggest topics that we should cover on the MarTech Podcast, click the link to contact us in our show notes, or you can find a couple of links to our social networking accounts. You can always search Ben J. Shap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P, for any social network, and you'll be able to engage with us there. If you haven't subscribed yet and you want a weekly stream of marketing knowledge in your podcast feed, in addition to the last episode of Privacy Week with Casey Chappelle from Go Cardless, we've got a bunch of great episodes lined up over the next few weeks. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. Okay, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is don't be creepy and just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.